Well, we are over in Hebrews, of course. I'm sorry I don't have my tie on tonight. I meant to bring it with me. I knew it was going to be hot over in the office, so I just thought I'd bring it with me and did not have it. But we'll be okay. Hebrews chapter 2. We pick up here at verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Therefore, we must. What we're seeing here is that this is a, this is a command. This is something we've got to do. We, we must do this. This isn't something that's just one of those optional things. You know, it would be a good idea. <laughs> you know, it would be helpful. be beneficial. No, no. We must. Therefore, we must give. Now, the word there, give, means that this is not something that's going to be demanded. If I'm going to give something, then it's not something that is being demanded of me. It's something that I give. So this situation that he's talking about here is not demanding your attention. It's not demanding that you do what is necessary. It is something that you must do. It's kind of like, you know, most of us have have certain goals we would like to do in the area of exercise or diets or something like that. And we have to give ourselves to those things, right? Diets don't just happen. We have to give ourselves to it. Because it seems like there's more attention calling us away from the diet than there is bringing us to the diet. There's more things calling us away from the exercise than there is calling us to the exercise. Just because, you know, even you know, keeping the house clean. How many of y'all know it would be nicer just to... So, kind of let it go. But we, we give ourselves to these things. We give ourselves to washing of dishes and the vacuuming of floors and, and such things. We give ourselves to them. They don't make us do it. We have, to, we have to do that. Now, some people are more inclined to exercise or to diets or to cleaning than others are. I remember uh, we had one family that uh, used to come here to church moved away I think it was but uh, they, they had to restrict how much their daughters were allowed to vacuum or one of their daughters was allowed to vacuum they put restrictions on them only once a day <laughs> how many want some kids like that only one time a day you're allowed to vacuum because apparently they guess they were over vacuuming maybe they're going to wear out the vacuum I don't know that would be a good problem to have she, she was very given to do that thing. But therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. We must give. So, it's not going to demand this. We have to have to give it the more earnest heed. The more earnest heed. Earnest here means more abundant, all the more, far greater, especially. Earnest. It's literally, you can literally translate it this way. To give heed more exceedingly. Not just give heed, but to give heed more exceedingly. So the more earnest heed, we take, a, I put in your, no, I didn't put in your outline, it's in mine. Translated as this way in the, in the Word of God when this word is used. More abundantly. How many times can you think of something being used more abundantly, translated more abundantly? That's more than likely this word right here. Uh, the more earnest, exceedingly, more exceedingly, more frequent, and much more. Those are some of the ways that this is, is translated. Here's an example of it. Mark chapter 7, verse 36. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. The word widely there is 
is what you... He'd say, please don't tell anybody about this and they'd just go out there and more earnestly <laughs> tell us to, to people. The word heed comes from the Greek word meaning mostly, or mostly used as a warning. Jesus uh, used it this way. Remember he said, take heed the leaven of the Pharisees. All right, that's the warning that was given. Uh, beware of false prophets. This word is being used there too. So, here's the, here's the rendition, or the, the verse again. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. So, it's, it's a warning here. We must, with everything that we can, we've got to put more abundance into this. And we have to give it. It's not going to just happen. But we have to give a more earnest abundance to this warning to the things we have heard. We must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Not to the new things. He says the things that we have heard, we must give more earnest heed to these things. So the things that... Now he's going to clarify this later on, some of the things that Jesus had shared, because right now, Jesus was the one who came to the earth and taught them all sorts of things. And he was the son of God. He's going to make the comparison to the angels. In the Old Testament, it was the angels. We haven't gotten there yet, but we will. We've got to pay more earnest things to the things we have heard, lest, he says, we drift away. Now, this word here for drift away, I believe is only used twice. This is the one I think we have in, in there. That we, uh, that we drift away. And it's a good translation of this. That you would drift away, that you would move Move away from. Just kind of drift. Just kind of slowly get away. It's kind of like, you know, when how many of you can think back when you were at a more ideal weight <clears throat> than you are now? And yeah, now, how did you get away from your ideal weight? Did you wake up one morning, like the, the Santa Claus movie, and all of a sudden you're... <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it's a gradual moving away, isn't it? How did you get out of shape? It was a gradual moving away. It doesn't just happen overnight. It's, it's something that, that gradually occurs. What he's saying here is we've, we've been walking in the teachings that Jesus has, has given us. But if we don't keep continually listening to them, if we don't keep heeding them, if we don't keep going after them, we will begin to drift away and begin to, to move. And we won't even know that we're drifting away unless we come back to them and take heed to what's being taught. It is that easy for us to, to drift away. Why, if you have a boat, and that's the little uh, example we have up there, the, the screen there, got a little boat stranded on the shore. It's probably not where it's supposed to be. It probably was supposed to be tied up somewhere. And why you tie up boats is because there's currents and there's things <coughs> in, the, in the water that are trying to move that boat away. Currents move it this way, then they come back and they move it this way, then they go and they move it this way. If storm comes, well, then you've got really good currents and waves and this moving stuff all over the place. There's always forces that come against them and move things. But what he's saying here, we have to give heed to the things that we've heard. If not, if we don't do it, we are going to, to drift away. Now, there's a, a series of words that are missing here in the New King James. If you have a King James, they're there. I looked at some other translations and they're in there as, as well, some of them have them in there and some of them don't. I don't know why some of them don't translate this word. I couldn't figure out. I've looked at, I have some, like I said, I've got some heavy duty Greek stuff. So I pulled out my biggest 
heavy-duty Greek that I can consult. And I looked all over for why is this word not in all the translations? Because it's definitely not in the New King James. And sometimes it's the, the biggest explanation is the Nestle's text and the majority text that uh, someone's based off the majority and other ones based it off the Nestle's text. Uh, NIV is off the Nestle's. King James, New King James are based off the majority. But if it was a textual thing, then it would be in the King James and the New King James because they're both based off the same text. So why is this thing not in there? Here's, the, here's what it is. Lest at any time. It comes from one particular word. All that comes from one word. It means not ever, never, lest at any time, or perhaps. So what are you saying here? I'm not sure why. I haven't found a good explanation for it. I'm not sure why the New King James dropped it out. But what are you saying here is at any time, any time, you can just start drifting away. If you don't come back and check yourself to these, these particular things, this is what you, you need to do. Now, I had an example of this, and I, was, I meant to bring it over along with me, and I left it at home, and I, I didn't have it. But you all know I have a saltwater tank. One of the things that you, that you have to monitor, there's a number of different things that you have to monitor, and whenever you do a water change, one of the most crucial things that you have to monitor, besides temperature, temperature is a big deal, but beside temperature, there's only one other thing with new water that you have to measure. And it is extremely important. If you don't have this down right, it can wipe out the entire tank. So the temperature has to be even. Now, I've fixed up the temperature real good because I have two heaters and they are both calibrated to exactly the same temperature. So all I have to do is drop the second heater into the, um, and I, I have a big trash can, fill it full of water, put the salt in there, get it all going, and just stick that heater in there. And that heater will heat it to exactly the same temperature as what is in the main tank. Do run into a problem when we have really hot days in July and August because then the tank is over what the heat is uh, set at. And then I have uh, kind of a lot of fun trying to get both of them to be exactly the same temperature because if you don't have it exactly the same temperature, you're going to shock the fish. But here's the other thing that, that, that you, uh, it's not temperature, and that is salinity. The salinity in the new water must be exactly what the salinity is in the old water. And salinity is very important. It's one of the more important aspects of the whole saltwater system. If you have it too high, you'll, you'll hurt the corals before you will the fish. The fish can handle it um, more extremes than the, than the corals can. You have to keep it down a certain spot. If you um, have it too low, that's going to be a problem. Uh, there's, there's ways to even combat certain diseases by altering the, the uh, salinity in the tank, but you have to do it gradually and over time. You can't do it over the same kind of time. What we have used most of the time to monitor this, and I have one that is very old, 10, 15, some, some odd years like that. I mean, it's really old, goes way back. And it's got this little plastic container, and inside is a little metal uh, plastic float inside this with a little weight in it. And what you do is you fill it up with water, and then you hold it up to the light and you look at where that thing comes to. And I've used this for quite a long time. And then I read an article about it. It's how, how inaccurate those things are. <laughs> and that people have wiped out their entire tank because of these particular things. <laughs> so they have this uh, newfangled thing that you do. It costs more money, of course. And so I got one of these newfangled things. And what it is, is you, you take a drop of water that you're trying to measure and you drop it onto this and then you look through it and it will tell you exactly what the salinity is with an accuracy that is beyond 
most things. So this is great. We'll help save the tank. I pulled that thing out. And you can calibrate this thing. And you're supposed to calibrate it to the, give you this little drop of stuff. And the, the drops are exactly, I think it's 1.024 of the, on the salinity, which is what I'm going for anyway. And so I, I put, you put the drop on there. And I held it up to my eye. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it because I'm not seeing things as close. I need the, the reading glasses to see the things real, real close. I can see things great far away, real, real close. Not doing it quite so well. So um, I said, well, I'll put the glasses on and see. It does, you can't see it at all with the glasses on. <laughs> Nothing. So I got this nice little machinery that's supposed to be helping this thing out and I can't calibrate it, nor can I use it. So I had to still go on back to, to this thing. And so what I did was I took this uh, little plastic. I mean, it's a cheap old plastic thing. It's 10 bucks or something like that. It isn't much. And I took it over to the fish store. And, and I said, you know, what's, he's using one of those little fancy gadgets. And so I said, you know, what's your measurement? All right. When, and I found out that it was measuring. I would measure out about 1.024. And the actual measurement would be 1.023. So I, I uh, adjusted accordingly and I, uh, I used that thing still for a while and then they came out with another one they came out with another one and this one <laughs> you don't have to look through it and calibrate it you can you can do it. it's just a nice little little stand here you can just drop the water in but whatever whatever you get on these things the, the plastic one I have you can't do this on it on the other two units you can calibrate it and you have to calibrate it on a regular basis you can't just calibrate it once you pull it out of the box and then that's it. You have to continually, once a, once a week, once a month, calibrate this thing with this special water that you buy. It's like you know, a buck a bottle or something like that. And then you just uh, pour that stuff in there because we know this is 1.024. So if we put this in there and it measures out 1.022, we turn the adjustment until we get to 1.024 and at 1.024, that's what we're looking for. That's what I keep my tank at. Some people keep it a little bit higher. Some people keep it a little bit lower. I have it there because I'm keeping just about everybody happy. But you've got to calibrate. You've got to keep coming back to it. See, what happens with Christians is we don't calibrate ourselves. Some Christians, I'm not saying people in, in, in this room, but <laughs> other places, you know, we think, we hear a message on faith. Oh, I've heard all that. I, I've heard all that sort of stuff. I don't need to hear anything more about faith. No, 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 we, we do. I remember uh, Brother Keith Moore when he was in healing school. He used to tell stories about healing school. And when he first got started in healing school teaching people, you know, Brother Hagen would be out there teaching them and, and he, he's out there teaching them. And people would uh, approach him with a certain attitude and he would uh, minister to them. They'd come up for prayer and he would quote a scripture to them. And they would hear that scripture. I know that. I've heard Brother Hagen preach that. I've known that scripture longer than you've been alive. And so he'd, uh, he thought for a little while he had to go out there and find some other scriptures to begin to share with them. And the Lord spoke to him and says, no, they, they need to get these ones down. You see, sometimes we have lost our love to come back and calibrate. I don't want to go back to the same. I know what Jesus, I, I've heard that story. I got that one down. No, you can calibrate yourself even better. You've got you to go back to the things that Jesus has said. You've got to go back to the things that are in the Word. We've got to go back to the things that we have heard hear them again and keep ourselves calibrated. Because if I don't stay calibrated to the things that I know are truth, when I bring in other stuff, new stuff, I don't have anything to compare it to. I got to have something that's, that's firm. Something that's... Because that, otherwise it wreaks havoc in our life. 
So we've got to go back and we've got to calibrate. And this is what he's saying here, is that we've got to give all the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. I know this to be true. Jesus said this. I know this to be true. This one, I've I got to go back and I've got to learn this. I've got to keep calibrating this, keep myself going back to it. He said, lest at any time. Oh, good, you got the King James up there. <laughs> lest at any time we should let them slip or drift away. I love the term, translation, drift away. I think drift away is just an ideal uh, translation of that because it just, here I am and I think I'm still here, but no, no, I've, I've drifted. I've, I've moved away. And now things that I wouldn't have allowed in my life before, I'm tolerating in my life because I've, I've drifted away. I can't see that those things aren't things that I should have. I can't see that those aren't things that, that I don't desire. I'm, I'm pursuing them, but I shouldn't be. I'm accepting truth. And I, I shouldn't accept that as truth. If I was calibrated right, I would know it. If I was calibrated right. Now, what is it that you have that you, that you have to calibrate? That you have to make sure that it's to a certain standard? You know, what happens if your oven is off in temperature? If your oven... You, you set it for 350 to cook whatever it is and your oven had begun to drift away and it became 400. That would affect some of those things that you're, that you're doing. You know, temperature is a big deal. It's, it's, uh, I've got a couple of heaters on the tank to maintain that temperature on it. Um, but most of the places will tell you that it's kind of tough to calibrate a heater because... What are you going to calibrate it to? And on April Fool's Day, one of the places that I love to, to go on, they do all these videos, all these kind of educational things for people who like reef tanks. And they advertise this uh, particular solution as a, to calibrate your heater. It was on April Fool's Day. Mm. Calibrate your heater. This solution is always at 93 degrees. Always at 93 degrees. All you got to do is calibrate this to your thing, and it's well, nothing is ever always 93 degrees. <laughs> so they did that as a little April Fool's joke for, for people. But how do you calibrate that? Well, you see, there was no real way to calibrate the heater, so what they tell you to do is get a bunch of them, for, for, uh, get a bunch of uh, thermometers. So I had this one particular thermometer. My wife saw it, and she goes, Why do you have that? I said, It's uh, just to check the tank, make sure everything's working okay. <laughs> have this thing just stick it down inside it's got a little probe on the end of it stick it down inside yep yep okay we're we're staying in that area but what are you calibrating yourself to go back to some of the old things go back to some of the old scriptures that you know go back and read them again because you're calibrating yourself to what's there he says it's so important we must give ourselves to this it's it's something i have to do i have to give it but it's, it's a must if we don't we will at any time at any time, we can just begin to drift away. Just begin to, to move. Just begin to go. We've got to make sure that we don't do that. And this is, how we, this is how we can do it. Verse 2, For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, that's the stuff in the Old Testament. The, stu- the, the things we have in the Old Testament, he puts down as things spoken by angels. That angels came and delivered this, this word. If that was so steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward every time somebody went against the things that were written in the Old Testament 
they receive the just reward, whatever that reward would be. Sometimes we think reward is good. Reward is not always good. Whatever it was, they received it. But that was spoken by angels. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast. Acts chapter 7, verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Speaking about Stephen. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. So again, we're attributing the things written in the Old Testament to the things that were angels. Well, where did angels get the word from? They got it from God the Father. The angels spoke what God the Father told them to speak. They didn't speak things of their own. They spoke those things. So if what God said was communicated by angels in the Old Testament, if that proved that steadfast, how much more those things spoken by Jesus? Now, what kind of things did Jesus speak? Jesus said of himself, I speak what I heard the Father say. I do what I saw the Father do. Whatever he saw the Father do, he'd come down here and do. Whatever he spoke is what the Father had already said to him. So either way, in the Old Testament through angels, in the Gospels through Jesus, we have what God the Father is saying being communicated first by angels in the Old Testament, now by Jesus in the Gospels. So verse, verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So how shall we, if in the Old Testament the angels spoke words of warning and people went against them and we, we know the stories. <laughs> Things happened to those people. If they did not escape, how are we going to? If we neglect so great a salvation. They went against what angels spoke. We would be going against what Jesus Christ spoke. How are we going to escape? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. So the Lord spoke some of these things, but those who heard Him, they went off and they began to speak these things. So the disciples were some of those. Other disciples beside the, the uh, eleven, of course, were going out and speaking things. But how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So now He's talking about it as, as a neglect. If we don't come back to the things that we have heard already, if we don't keep bringing ourselves back to these things and hearing them again, what about faith? What about righteousness? What about salvation? What about the gifts? What about the Holy Spirit? What about... And we go back to all these things. If we don't keep coming back and hearing these things over and over again, if we don't keep bringing ourselves there and calibrating ourselves, what's going to happen to us? We're going to begin to drift away and to begin to drift away and begin to drift away and then what will we have to calibrate to? We'll be gone from, from that. Now we've got to hang on to it. Every day is something we need to be thinking about. Every day we need to be, be going over this. If you're on a diet, how do you calibrate your progress? Do you look at what kind of, how much food that you ate? No, there's one thing that gives you progress. It's called a scale. 
How up on that scale? That scale weighs you in. And it says, fail. Or it says, success. It could say one way or the other. But that's what you, you get on that. You know what your weight was. You know what your weight wants to be. You get on that scale, and that scale tells you how you're doing. Now they got scales out there that not only tell you how you're doing, they report it to a website, keep the whole log, and give you a graph. They'll give you more than your weight. They'll break down your, your body fat. They'll break down your muscle mass. They'll bring down your bone, uh, bone mass. They'll uh, tell you your BMI. All you got to do is stand on it. How much water you're, you have in your system. It breaks all those things down. They got some pretty elaborate scales out there. You just stand on it and it's going to log all this stuff and it's going to tell you. You can go up there and look at it and you can see a graph. And that graph is either going down, the graph is going up, it's going up and down, whatever. You can come back there and you calibrate. This is what you do. If you don't get on the scale, it's, you're not going to know. You won't know. We have to get on the scale, so to speak, with the Word of God. And so we keep coming back. Every time Brother Keith says, we're going to talk about faith, I don't get, oh, I've already learned about that. When he goes over and he starts talking about the woman with the issue of blood, I don't get, oh, I've already heard this story like 20 times. Oh, I get excited. All right, let's, let's go over this again. Because uh, I've got to make sure that I'm, am I still doing what I learned to do from that? Before I can go out there and learn something new, am I still doing what I know to do? Have I fallen from it? Have I, have I lost that part of saying, of speaking? Am I beginning to speak and doing things in a, in a wrong way? Not following the example that she gave us. She gave us a wonderful example on it. What about the centurion and the demonstration of his faith? Have I ventured off of that? What about all those other stories that we have of Jesus and the interactions he has with people and demonstrating the will of the Father? These are things we need to go over. That's why every single day we ought to be in the Word. Every single day we have our chapter that we read. We read over that chapter. What's the Word of God telling us? What's the Word of God teaching us? What do we have? Now here the writer of Hebrews talks about the Old Testament, that being given by angels. The New Testament, that, or the, the, the Gospels, really is what he's referring to, that being given by Jesus. But then we have the epistles. Who inspired the epistles? Holy Spirit. So really we have angels in the Old Testament, Jesus, the words he spoke in the Gospels, but the epistles and the rest of the New Testament, this is given by the Holy Spirit. Who does the Holy Spirit give us the words of? <laughs> so we still have a greater source that is, that is behind them. We have these words that we need to hang on to. God the Father speaks, Jesus speaks those words. The Holy Spirit is not going to speak any of those words except what comes from God the Father and those things that are consistent with Jesus. That's what He's going to speak. We're going to learn these things and find out and bring our life back to it because I can drift away. I've got to realize no matter how long I've been in the, in the kingdom, no matter how long I've been studying the Word of God, no matter how long I've been following after this, I can drift away. Lest at any time we can drift away. That's why I don't know why. Why does the King James, New King James drop that word out? It's gone as that word from the translation. It shouldn't be. 
We're going to read Weist here in a little bit. Weist has it in there. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? So I already gave you this. What about after the Gospels? Well, that would be the Holy Spirit telling us about what's going on in the, in the epistles and so forth. Verse 4. God also bearing a witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Now, my, my attention was drawn to this part and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. When you hear gifts of the Holy Spirit, what do you think about? Think about 1 Corinthians. Gifts of the Spirit. And things that, except if it was speaking about those particular gifts of the Spirit, the word gifts here should be the word, I've come, most people know this one, charisma. It is not the word charisma. That is not the word here. It come, comes from the Greek word to mean distribution, division, and separation. This is the word. I, I, was, I was mistaken. This is the word that's only used twice. Only used two times in the New Testament. Both by the author of Hebrews. Two times we see this word used. If it's only used two times, I mean it's not used in 1 Corinthians. To talk about the gifts. So it means distribution, division, and separation. Now, a word that it comes from is the word meris, which means part. A division, we divide into parts. But uh, the word that it comes from, meris, means part. And here's the uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 42. Mary has chosen that good part. In other words, there were two parts to choose from. There was... Martha's choosing to work and being in the kitchen. And Mary choosing to be out here hearing the words of Jesus. In other words, getting calibrated. And what did Martha choose? The bad part. Mary chose the good part. So meaning here, possibly using this particular word here, would be uh, distinct manifestations of the Spirit's power by which God confirmed the preaching of the gospel distinct manifestations of the Spirit's power by which God confirmed the preaching of the gospel. Now, it's used only one other time, and that's in Hebrews 4.12. You're going to know this scripture. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Did you hear it? It's the word division of soul and spirit. Now, I have something interesting for you to, that I found on this. Uh, this is from F.F. F. Bruce. Some of you may know him as uh, some of his books. But in Hebrews 4.12, Merismas is, is translated, dividing asunder. There are some who believe the emphasizes, this emphasizes the power of the Word of God to separate the spiritual part of man from his innermost nature. However, others suggest that the writer was making no such distinction. Have you ever heard any other, any other interpretation on that? Other than the dividing of soul and spirit? F.F. F. Bruce says that what is meant in that verse is that the Word of God probes the inmost recesses of our spiritual being and brings the subconscious motives to light. The passage is not necessarily trying to make a distinction between body com components, 
but is perhaps saying that God's word can discriminate between man's thoughts and his intentions. Well, that would be a lot different, wouldn't it? Just something to ponder on and to think. But here it's talking about God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, there were signs and wonders that came along the words that were spoken, the giving of the law, the things that were, were talked about in the Old Testament. There were signs and wonders that came with, with those. But God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. He's talking about what was given with Jesus and with those who came out and, and spoke about the words of Jesus. That there were signs and wonders. When the disciples went out and they, on the day of Pentecost, we saw signs and wonders that went on. And they went out and, of course, people spoke with tongues. And, um, you know, some people say that uh, they spoke with tongues. How many of you ever heard this? They spoke with tongues because God wanted all the world to hear the message of salvation. And so they spoke with tongues and everybody understood them in their own language. And that was the tongues that they had, had spoken. Except that Alexander had gone around the entire world and taught them all Greek. So everyone knew Greek. If you wanted everyone to know the, what you were saying, all you had to do was speak in Greek and everyone understood it. You didn't have to speak in their own home native language. And that was done as a sign. But most of the time, tongues was not a sign for men. It was a sign in that you were speaking to God. But of course, they bypass all that sort of stuff. But God bearing witness. When he put these signs and these wonders, he was bearing witness with these words. These words are accurate. These words are right. When the disciples went out and had signs and wonders and various miracles, he is attesting to the fact that what the disciples are saying is true. It is true. And then he puts in in that, here it's translated the gifts of the Spirit, but the divisions of the Spirit. And as we said here, a possible meaning is the distinct manifestations of the Spirit's power by which God confirmed the preaching of the Gospel. Different, distinct manifestations of the Spirit's power. Not necessarily the gifts of the Spirit, though the gifts of the Spirit would be a division of the Spirit's power, but not limited to just that, but other aspects of it as well. So he brought it all here to the end of, of this. Is What is anchoring you down? What is it that's holding you? If we don't have things that are holding us down, if we don't have an anchor, if we're not tied to something, then we're going to be, be moving around. It's going to be easy to get us to move. But if we have those principles that we know to be true in the Word of God, and I keep going over them, I keep hearing them, I keep hearing more teaching on those, those particular things, then I get rock solid on that. What happens with, with some movements that have gone on is that we have gotten a new revelation, a greater understanding. And we focus so much on this new revelation and this greater understanding because it sets us apart as being unique and different from anyone else. And we focus on that and we leave behind so many other things. And we can't do that. We can't become a, a church that all we focus on is faith because there's other things to focus on too. There's righteousness. There's the walk of love. There's many other things and many aspects of the Word of God. And we've got to take all those and we've got to calibrate ourselves to it. How am I doing with the walk of love? And we go back and we read 1 Corinthians 13, particularly 4, 5, and 6. And we, we calibrate ourselves. How am I doing with this? Am I believing the best in people? 
Am I, am I doing what this list says? And I calibrate myself to it. How am I doing it? Every time I go back to the Word of God, I've got to be thinking, calibration. How am I doing according to this? Am I doing like the woman with the, with the uh, issue of blood? Am I confessing? Am I hearing about Jesus? Is it producing faith on the inside of me? Or am I just wishing? Well, I sure hope that this works. Or am I, do I have a confession like hers? I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. How many Christians have lost that calibration in their life? And they come up to the prayer line, why are you here? Well, I'm hoping that I can get healed. I'm hoping that God will move or that it will be God's will that I get healed and that, uh, <laughs> that I'll go home without having that problem anymore. So we've lost our calibration. We're not on that anymore. We lose our calibration in the area of righteousness because I, I go over the area of works and I've got to do this and I've got to be this and I've got to... And I lost the calibration that says I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It's His righteousness that I wear. My own righteousness is as filthy rags. And if I calibrate myself to those things, then I don't get off when other things come along. And when someone else wants to come along and teach me something that's not right, like this ultra-grace stuff that goes around. Well, I'm calibrated to the right thing. And as soon as I hear this, no, 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 that's, that's off target. That's off. I'd have to get off target. I'd have to get away from what I'm, anchored, what I'm anchored to in order for me to believe that and hang on to that. Don't get away from what you're anchored to. What you know, what you understand, it's vital. You've got to hang on to those things. What did Jesus say? What did the Holy Spirit say in the epistles through the Apostle Paul or Peter or John or James? What did he say? What revelation do we have in there? And I've got to keep bringing myself back. Calibration is something that you do on a regular basis. It's not something you do once and forget it. Because you can drift off. You can begin to, to drift. Just because we calibrated something one time doesn't mean that everything is, is good. Now we've got to keep coming back to it. Well, what's it, what's it going to be now? What is it? What's going on with this, this here now? Because it's crucial. It's crucial. It may be crucial in a fish tank that you keep certain temperatures and certain factors in with in a, in a certain area. Otherwise, you know, bad things happen. But it's the same thing in your own life. And we've got all kinds of things to be tested for. You know, in the fish tank, I tell you some of those things that we test for on a regular basis. Every day I open up that fish tank door and I look inside to see what the heaters tell me the temperature of the tank is inside. Because depending upon what it says, I may have to take an action to uh, begin to cool it down. or to begin to, Every day I take a look at that. But there are some things I don't check every day. There are some things, some factors on it that I check once a week. There are some factors I check once a month. They're not that critical. It's good to have it in there, but it's not super critical that I check it out all the, all the time. There's a couple of things that I check out. Try to every day. If not every day, every other day. So there are some aspects of our Christian walk, like the love walk. That's important. Faith. That's important. I've got to be calibrating these things on a regular basis. There are some things that maybe aren't quite as, as important as those things are. Those things are the most vital. I've got to identify what is the most vital for my walk, and I've got to make sure that I am constantly recalibrating these things to what the Word of God has to say. 
But I can't neglect those other ones just because I only check them once a week doesn't mean I don't check them once a week. Doesn't mean they're not important. There are some of those things that are very important. And I've got to check those, those things out and see what's going on. What are you doing to keep yourself anchored down? What are you keep doing to keep yourself tied to the solid things we have in the Word of God so that you don't drift? You see, if we drift, we, we, we roam into the area of the flesh. Our flesh begins to take over. We get angry. We get bitter. We have unforgiveness that comes into our... So we get to telling ourselves, well, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. I'm right. We lose our humble state. We pick up the area of pride because I'm not coming back and I'm not calibrating. I'm not coming back to the Word. I've drifted away. But because it's just a little bit each time, I don't even know it. I can't even tell. Are we checking ourselves? Do we bring ourselves back? Yep, here I am. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I am tied to the dock. Because I'm tied to the dock, anything new that comes in, I can take and check it out with, with what I know. You know what? That's in line. If I get something new and it doesn't, I can't quite see how it lines up, I write it down someplace, ponder it later. Or wait until my understanding grows and I can say, oh, I, I can see where that fits in now. But you see, people who don't, are some of those folks who got off, and they, well, we got a date for when Jesus Christ is coming back. And they publish a date. And, and you know, they're going to sell their books because we got a date. And then people will follow after it. Why? Why do people follow after someone who says, I got a date? Because they've lost the calibration. They haven't come back and calibrated. What did Jesus say about that? Huh. We've, we've lost that. We've got to keep coming back. If I keep recalibrating myself to what I know is true, what I know is true, I cannot be one who will drift away. But I've got to give myself to this. It's not going to happen. Just because I want it to, just because God wants it to, I've got to give myself to this. Are we giving ourselves to being constantly calibrated? Father, we thank you for the certainty of your word for the stability it brings in our life. I thank you, Father, that what you have written in your word is true. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament came from God the Father. Spokesperson may be changing, but the source is the same. We need to calibrate ourselves to those things to make sure that we are walking in the love of God, not a different love. You're walking according to the righteousness of Jesus Christ and not a different kind of righteousness. Do we have the faith of God and not a different kind of faith? Do we pray prayers that are consistent with Jesus and what he taught not prayers that are consistent with religion? And Father, if we keep calibrating ourselves to what you've taught us in your word, we can make sure we stay true. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.